Allison Sinclair spent her formative years at a theme park, not working at or visiting one, but actually living at one. A defunct one, but still. It felt like a playground in some ways, but like a post-apocalyptic playground. In its previous life, Allison's suburban South Carolina neighborhood had been part of a Christian vacation destination called Heritage USA. Growing up in a community that used to be a theme park is exactly what you'd think it'd be like. Dope as hell. You can just mess around and like explore and get into trouble without really having to go very far, having to have a car. One of the abandoned buildings was an unfinished 21-story, 500-room hotel tower. You could get in there and there were stairs. You'd go to the roof, go hang out, shoot fireworks. You know, people would drink, smoke pot, uh, lose their virginity. Like, everything was happening there. Allison remembers one day she and her boyfriend at the time were hanging out in the rubble around the tower. Somehow, a big chunk of cinder block fell on his foot. And he lost half his toe and we had to put it in an ice bag. <laughs> I Actually, I think they were able to, like, stitch it back together. When the theme park's founder, televangelist Jim Baker, dreamed up the luxury high-rise hotel, it was meant to be the crown jewel of his 2,300-acre Christian Disneyland. It was not meant to be a dystopian hellscape where wild packs of teens lost their virginity and occasionally appendages. In fact, we're on the 21st floor right now, so we just have the walls and the roof now. Baker's pièce de résistance never did fully materialize. Instead, this albatross, this metaphorical Tower of Babel, this giant middle finger soaring over the York County skyline, ushered in the end of America's third most popular theme park, and the collapse of the Baker's global multi-million dollar ministry. I'm Lauren Ober, and from American Public Media and the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota, this is Spectacular Failures, the show where we mouth off to failure, even though it might stick a bar of soap in our mouths. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker were the very picture of humble beginnings. Jim was born in Muskegon, Michigan, to a working-class Pentecostal family. After high school, he went to Bible college, where in 1960, he met Tammy Faye LaValle. She was the oldest of eight kids raised in a house without indoor plumbing. Shortly after they met, Jim and Tammy Faye dropped out of school to try their hand at traveling evangelism. And they created, as part of their ministry, which really was small time, they towed a trailer behind their car, they created a puppet show for the children that would show up um, for these church services. That's John Wigger. He's a history professor at the University of Missouri. And in 2017, he wrote a book about the bakers. And they made the puppets themselves out of uh, the heads of shampoo bottles that were like animals and dolls. And Tammy would work the puppets behind a little improvised stage, and Jim would be the straight man out front. Hi, boys and girls. This is Tammy. And this is Jim. And this is Slowly. And this is Allie. And this is Muffin. And this is Grumpy. And we're all here today to tell you a story. That's from the couple's scorching hot record, Building on the Rock, songs and stories by Jim and Tammy and their friends. Yeah, we got a copy on vinyl. Beat that. Okay. The Bakers owe a lot to those homemade puppets because they eventually caught the eye of a minister named Pat Robertson, who owned a small television station in Portsmouth, Virginia. 
Russell James remembers this. He worked at Robertson Station back in the day. I was standing there the day this young couple came there uh, to work by the name of Jim and Tammy Baker. Stop it. Yes. And I helped Jim uh, build his first set for his puppet show. It is called Come On Over. Uh, it's a puppet show, but with kids in the studio audience, little kids screaming, yelling. Today, Russell owns a chapel on the former Heritage Grounds and agreed to take us for a driving tour of the old campus. But back then, Russell was in high school making $2 a day running the camera for the puppet show. He didn't know it, but he was witnessing history. John Wigger says the puppet show quickly became the most popular program on that little station. And it allowed Jim then to pitch an idea to Robertson that he later claimed he had been wanting to do for a long time, which was basically a Christian version of The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, which was, you know, the height of cultural cool in the mid-60s. This innovation, a breezy Christian talk show with music, jokes, and inspiring chats, was the first of three major turning points for the Bakers. By 1976, Jim and Tammy had started a broadcast network of their own, PTL Television. PTL stood for Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. See the things that she has done. Praise the Lord. Boop, boop, doo, doo, bop, bop, doo. That is a real earworm, that song. PTL had one thing their competitors didn't have, a satellite network. This was the second turning point. It gave them huge reach and was great for their bottom line. It was a tremendous source of income because they could now sell programming to other ministries. Um, and it, uh, it, it gave them a very big audience. About 14 million people big. At its peak, their broadcast reached nearly 40 countries. So that's a lot of eyeballs on the bakers and their cohorts. That network made the ministry rich, but it also made Jim and Tammy targets. Their flagship show was the PTL Club, and the format mirrored a late-night show. The couple did an opening monologue of sorts, then Tammy might sing a song with the choir. Then they'd have a couple of guests for some God-inflected chats. Sometimes they were Christian leaders, and other times they were celebrities like Mr. T or the woman who played Blair on The Facts of Life, Lisa Welchel. Even Mickey Rooney dropped by. What in your life finally made you decide to ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart? You know, because you were going along. I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say, "No, there wasn't any great, wasn't any great ray of light or that any, came down." Or any sense of hopelessness or anything like oh, that? Oh yes, that... oh yes, all of this goes with it. Uh, error, evil, the devil uh -huh. who came to kill and destroy your life. On that episode, Rooney reads an original poem and sings a duet with Tammy. I highly recommend. Five stars from me. The PTL Club was super popular, and not just because of the celebrity guests or the great music. Jim and Tammy's operation was a big hit in large part because of their message. And what was that message, Barbara Walters? Jim preached the prosperity gospel. You know, the Bible says that our God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. The idea was that God will make you healthy and rich if you have true faith. Mm, but there's a caveat to the prosperity gospel. 
prosperity gospel is you can have what you say as long as you do what you're supposed to do scripturally. So in other words, that's bring your tithes and offerings to the church, make sure you're giving 10% of your income, and then God's going to bless you in your life. That's Anthea Butler. She's the graduate chair of religious studies at Penn, and the prosperity gospel is kind of her thing, academically speaking. A certain segment of Christianity loved the prosperity gospel, especially in the greed-is-good Gordon Gecko 80s. God wants you to have whatever you desire, be that a fancy sports car, a giant mansion, or a floor-length mink coat, as long as you toss him some coin. It's actually, to me, one of the easiest messages to keep people in a church with, although it's also probably one of the most poisonous, because it makes people think that, you know, essentially, if I do everything right, then there's going to be this reciprocal and kind um, benevolence from God, when that's not the case. I mean, a lot of religions are transactional, but, you know, prosperity gospel is just much more blatant about its transactional nature. Sure, the prosperity gospel was unabashedly transactional, but Jim and Tammy Faye appeared to be living proof that it worked. As their ministry grew, so did their fame, their wealth, and, of course, their shoulder pads. I mean, it was the 80s. Come on. The couple was the very definition of conspicuous consumption. There were luxury cars and second, third, and fourth homes. Tammy was always dressed to the nines, and their dog had an air-conditioned doghouse. As PTL expanded, Jim Baker had dreams of creating a sort of Christian evangelical utopia. But as his son Jay Baker explains, those dreams never included a theme park. My dad envisioned this big place for ministry to happen, but he realized that people were bringing their kids and stuff, and the kids didn't want to sit through talks and Christian music all day long. You know what I mean? So they're like, well, what do we do to provide for these families to do besides just, you know, go to church all day? It wasn't ever, I don't think, originally planned to be a theme park, but these things kept coming up like, you know, a water park and a skating rink and arcade games and putt-putt golf. You know, I mean, it was just like it, Mm -hmm. it started to become this retreat center of some sort, you know. The Bakers broke ground on Heritage USA in 1978, and almost immediately the faithful flocked. But it wasn't just a theme park. Visitors could attend live tapings of Jim and Tammy's show, they could volunteer as phone counselors for people who called needing prayer, and they could make Christian arts and crafts. And if this sweet jingle didn't bring people in, I don't know what would. Hit the track. Within a few years, Heritage had a giant amphitheater, a 400-unit campground, and an indoor shopping complex called Main Street USA that was like a fake cityscape with fake building facades on a fake cobblestone street lined with fake trees. Visitors ate it up. Six million a year visited at its height. This was the third turning point for the bakers. But it wasn't just that Heritage was fun for the whole family— Our pal Russell James visited more than a dozen times one year, and he says the place changed his life. I personally feel, this is my personal opinion, this is Russell's personal opinion. If my wife and I not come down here Thanksgiving weekend of 85 and all those times in 86, we would probably not be married Mm. to each other today. Mm. Uh, Because it brought us so much understanding of each other, each other's needs. Like his wife's need for Russell to learn to do laundry and cook, 
which he did, and now he makes a mean Spanish omelet. Heritage filled a void for a lot of people and brought them into community with folks who shared their faith. Professor John Wigger. People loved Heritage USA, um, and that was part of their problem. People loved it so much that it was always jam-packed. But it was also a money pit. My dad just was addicted to building and raising more money and, you know, never being happy with anything. He wanted to have a roller coaster that would go through heaven and hell, and he wanted to... (laughs) He wanted to have a Greek-style mausoleum. He wanted to do a a replica of the Crystal Palace in London. That's former Charlotte Observer reporter Tim Funk. I mean, the guy just, he had no ceiling, you know? Right. This construction addiction culminated in two showpieces, the Heritage Grand Hotel and the Grand Tower. But before he could start building, Jim Baker needed money. The ministry up to that point had been supported by donations. The joke was that PTL stood for Pass the Loot. But their followers happily gave. That's the tithes and offerings Professor Anthea Butler talked about. But 100 bucks here, 100 bucks there wasn't going to cut it for multi-million dollar building projects. They needed to find another way to raise capital. He knew that he could not get a loan because they didn't dare open their books up to a bank. And so he came up with an absolutely brilliant idea, which if he had stuck to it, um, I think really would have worked fantastically well. And that was what he called the Lifetime Partnership Program. The Lifetime Partnership Program was basically a deal where PTL devotees paid $1,000 to become members of the Heritage Ministry. In return for that cash, members were entitled to a four-day, three-night stay at the Heritage Grand Hotel every year for the rest of their lives. So it was basically like a timeshare situation. To make the math work and still make room for all the hotel guests, Heritage sold 25,000 of these partnerships, and it was supposed to stop there. Unfortunately, it was just so tempting to keep selling the memberships once they hit 25,000, and that's exactly what they did. They eventually sold 66,000 in the Heritage Grand, which represents more than 100% occupancy. They started construction of another 500-room hotel, the Heritage Grand Towers. They sold 74000 in that, which was uh, more than 100% occupancy, and it was never finished. Heritage eventually sold more than 160,000 partnerships. At $1,000 each, carry the zeros, that's $160 million. And that ain't chump change. But they ran into a lot of problems with people trying to book their free rooms and not being able to get them. And then, of course, they kept using more and more of the hotel for the free people, which meant they didn't have a source of income from paying customers. So in a sense, they were a victim of their own success. People wanted to use this. They, they actually did use it. Now, you can't sell a product or a service to someone and then not actually give them the thing they bought. We call that fraud, and that's illegal. So you can see how this might raise some eyebrows. But this wasn't the first sign Jim and Tammy Faye had built their house on sand. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the world's most popular televangelists have a dramatic plunge from grace. Plus, a sex scandal, a greedy preacher, and 24 counts of mail and wire fraud. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine 
I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine... I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine... I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Spectacular Failures. I'm Lauren Ober. My pal Will Coley grew up near Charlotte, North Carolina, and remembers making the short drive down to Heritage USA with his grandparents. My grandmother was, uh, you know, very involved with the PTL club. She and my grandfather would actually answer the phones. They would go and volunteer. I remember going to the studio before Heritage USA, and it was like, I mean, people still get excited about being on TV, but there was this possibility you could be on TV. Through early 1987, the PTL machine continued to churn. The Bakers would go on air, sometimes Tammy Faye would cry, and money would flow in. And Heritage USA continued to balloon. Will remembers that PTL was a big topic of conversation at school. During our Latin class, we would have a current event section when we would talk about what was happening in the news. And so the Bakers were always in that. And I was their defender. It wasn't like everybody in North Carolina loved them. You know, like we were still kind of the odd ones out that we liked them. And so people would, you know, say stuff about them or Charlotte Observer would have reported something and then I would have to defend them and say, you know, they're Christians. Why are people attacking them? People were attacking them because it looked like their ministry wasn't on the up and up. They had been investigated twice by federal agencies looking into misuse of millions of dollars of ministry funds and yet somehow remained unscathed. But then there was a news report involving Jim Baker and a young woman named Jessica Hahn. I remember the morning when my mother came and woke me up and told me about what happened with Jessica Hahn. And I was like, do I have to go to school today? Because I have to go. What am I going to say? Now, there's going to be some talk of sexual assault allegations in the next couple of minutes. Just an FYI. If you remember the late 80s at all, the name Jessica Hahn will be familiar to you. 
Perhaps you recall her posing for Playboy or appearing on The Howard Stern Show. But before any of that, Han was a 21-year-old church secretary from Long Island. In 1980, she ended up in a Florida hotel room with Jim Baker and another man. According to Han, they sexually assaulted her. Talk show host Phil Donahue interviewed Han in 1987. Well, Jessica, I read the Playboy piece, and this sounds as grim as uh, it would get for anybody, uh, any female, 20 years old. Uh, It's very, very uh, distracting and detailed and sordid uh, picture of uh, two people who, according to your uh, account, forced themselves on you. I mean, if this... For almost eight years, Han kept quiet about the alleged assault. She told Larry King in a 2005 interview that she didn't tell anyone what happened for years because, quote, I love God. I don't want to hurt God's people. But in 1987, Han told Jim Baker she would go public with her story, in part because she said he never apologized or seemed at all contrite. If he had gone downstairs and came up with a flower and said, Jessica, I messed up. I, I, I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened. I'm sorry. Things, he, he might still have PTL. But that didn't happen. I was not human in Jim Baker's eyes, and I was not treated as human. Instead, Baker tried to buy her silence with a payment of $279,000. But, like it says in the Gospel of Luke, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Come on, Jim. That's right there in the New Testament. In a series of stories that ultimately won them the Pulitzer, the Charlotte Observer revealed that Baker's hush money had been paid with ministry funds. And with that revelation, things began to unravel. Jim and Tammy Faye's son, Jay, says after the Han revelation, Baptist preacher and fellow televangelist Jerry Falwell swooped in and offered to help. He came in as a savior, basically, to say, Jim, will save you from all the scandal that's about to happen. You're going to need to take some time off. And he said, we're going to need to replace the board with my board. And that's what he did. Once Falwell had his board in place, he was able to take over PTL entirely. The Bakers had something that none of the other televangelists had, a satellite network, which made their ministry really valuable. Naturally, there was speculation that Falwell wasn't so much a savior as a poacher looking to pick off the most profitable parts of the PTL operation. The media firestorm around this controversy can't be overstated. I remember sitting in my room as a little kid crying you know, not knowing what was going on. And, um, but also knowing like, you know, every night Johnny Carson was making fun of my parents, Saturday Night Live was doing skits and every magazine and every rag magazine and every, you know, thing everywhere. So, you know, they were famous before, but when the scandal happened, it was like they became extremely famous. And so that was really, really strange to deal with and uh, try to cope with as an 11, 12-year-old. Professor Anthea Butler also remembers how Jim and Tammy Faye dominated the daily news cycle. When Jim and Tammy Faye's kingdom collapsed, so to speak, Ted Koppel and all these people were interviewing them in the 80s because it was such a big scandal. There's a preacher who'd slept with this beautiful secretary, the opulence of the wealth, the crying wife. I mean, it, it was basically another kind of soap opera besides all the rest of the nighttime soap operas that were going on. And there's so much talk of the love, and there is so much talk of forgiveness. And while everyone is talking about love and forgiveness, you're sticking knives in one another's ribs. It is, in a sense, a really disgusting display. I mean, on both sides. Yes. yes. Well, I agree. And, and 
I, I don't want to be a part of that. That's one of the reasons we haven't come out. And the Bible said, ye without sin cast the first stone. I don't want to throw stones at anyone. That May 1987 interview came on the heels of an announcement from Falwell. He would not be giving the Bakers back their ministry. Jim, I must tell you that I would be doing a disservice to God. As much as I love you and care for you and will pray for you, I would be doing a disservice to God and to the church at large to allow you to come back here now or ever. PTL was now under the direction of Jerry Falwell. For all intents and purposes, it was a hostile takeover of the $170 million business the Bakers have been building since 1974. But Falwell wasn't the most adept corporate raider. He didn't realize that PTL's financial books were in complete shambles until it was too late. By June of 1987, Falwell filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy on behalf of PTL and Heritage USA. The whole operation ground to a halt. The theme park shut down, the PTL broadcasts went dark, and work on the Heritage Grand Tower stopped immediately. It was almost like something biblical happened to the workers. Lunch boxes were left open and tools were scattered about. It was rapture at the hands of Pastor Falwell. Russell James remembers the day Heritage shuddered. What was it like for it to, you know, to be closed one day? Extremely sad. Extremely sad. Uh, I saw dozens of people crying the day they said, no more. As a part of the bankruptcy proceedings, the PTL Heritage assets were divided up and sold off. A fellow televangelist, Morris Cerullo, bought the satellite operation and created the Inspiration Networks. A Malaysian company purchased the remainder of Heritage USA and then sold it to developers. Even quicker than it had sprung up, Heritage was over. I think the enemy planned this at the time when we would be down, when we were just... In the eyes of Jim and Tammy Faye, it was the devil who took their ministry and shut down Heritage USA. In their farewell address, neither of the bakers took responsibility for the opulent excess or the sexual misconduct or any financial misdeeds. Instead, they explained that God had forgiven them. Well, you know, Jim, we've got to practice now what we preach. And yeah. we preach a God of redemption, and we preach a God of love and a God of restoration. And that's what we're, that's what we're counting on now. They never take personal blame. They're above it. And unfortunately, it inoculates them because people help them to believe that they have the message and they are close to God. And so if something screws up, like Heritage USA going under, right, then it's not my fault. I'm, I'm a victim. I, you know, the devil. People were against me. The alleged sexual assault and the Falwell takeover invited the attention of the authorities. In 1988, Jim Baker was indicted on two dozen criminal counts, mail fraud, wire fraud, and conspiracy for overselling the timeshares for Heritage Grand Hotel and Tower and then pocketing the money. A jury convicted him on all counts, and he was sentenced to 45 years in prison. He served five years of that over-the-top sentence and was granted parole in 1994. During that time, the Bakers divorced. Tammy Faye wandered the desert for a while before being resurrected as a pop culture icon. What do you say to those people who say, oh, you know, she dresses up too much? I say everybody must be who they are. Young people don't ever let anyone make you something that you're not. That's right. You have the right to be who you are. That's right. Oh, Tammy Faye and RuPaul. Tammy Faye died of cancer in 2007. Neither she nor Jim ever returned to Heritage. 
Today, Baker's masterwork is a relic of the past, not only because it doesn't physically exist, but because contemporary evangelical preachers build their ministries in totally different ways. Anthea Butler says the Baker's ministry is a cautionary tale. What Heritage USA did was send out a warning flare to all of these people that, you know, if you're going to build a fiefdom, then you have to think about how you can keep it and and how you're going to how you're going to continue to fund it. That was the moment that, you know, most of these guys decided that they would put the wealth into Learjets and things like that instead of putting it into physical plant. Today's ministries are sophisticated business operations with CFOs and retail stores and preachers wearing the coolest Yeezys. If you don't believe me on the shoe thing, just check out the Preachers and Sneakers Instagram account. I promise it won't disappoint. Still, in 2004, a Baker ally bought the two hotels and conference center. He told former Charlotte Observer reporter Tim Funk he intends on restoring the crumbling tower to its full glory, even though masonry is falling off in sheets and pigeons have taken up residence. His theology is that God, um, you know, resurrects things. And so I think he thinks there's a possibility to resurrect that area as a Christian hub. After visiting, it's hard to see how that could happen. 30 years after Heritage's heyday, and the grounds are almost unrecognizable, except for that cursed tower and some stray vestiges of the water park. Today, condos and townhouses sit atop the ruins of the Baker's empire. As a business, the PTL ministry and Heritage USA were unequivocal failures. Sure, they helped a lot of people and brought in stacks of money. But all of that was lost in the wake of the sexual assault allegation, the fraud, and the prison sentence that followed. It used to be that you couldn't turn on the TV without seeing Jim Baker. But now he keeps a lower profile. We tried reaching him for this story and didn't hear back. Today, he runs a different television ministry in Branson, Missouri, that is almost identical to PTL. His second wife, Lori, a Tammy Faye doppelganger, is his sidekick. His current broadcast employs the same talk show format as the PTL Club, except that instead of preaching the prosperity gospel, Baker is prophesying the end of days. Funk says Baker doesn't have nearly the reach he once did. He's not a national figure anymore. He's kind of a fringe figure, I think. And yet, you know, he's selling this end-of-the-world food and this, you know, all this other thing you need to have if the apocalypse happens. And he's on every day, and some people are buying that stuff. For a $100 donation to Baker's new ministry, you can get a freeze-dried Fiesta Pail or the Pizza Bucket, both of which claim to have a 30-year shelf life. $125 will get you an extra set of lids for your food buckets, and $15 will get you a special lid opening tool, which is called a bung wrench. I kid you not. If you step back and look at the situation, it really does seem like Jim Baker's prosperity gospel has been made manifest. Baker had an epic freefall. Heritage USA crumbled. His marriage shattered. And yet here he is in Branson, seemingly reaping the rewards of his belief. Again, his business is risen. Let the choir sing. Spectacular Failures is a production of American Public Media in the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota. It's hosted and produced by me, extraordinary flop Lauren Ober. Phenomenal talent, Whitney Jones, is the show's producer. Our editor is Reverend Pastor Phyllis Fletcher. Our theme music is by the delightful David Schulman. Other original music in the show comes from the Jeremys, Jeremy Castillo and Jeremy Ray. 
Lauren D is the interim director of podcasts at APM. Our other stellar APM buds include Alyssa Dudley, Tracy Mumford, Christina Lopez, and Phoebe Unter. Big love to the Marketplace DC Bureau, especially Betsy Streisand. Larry Martz and Ginny Carroll wrote a great book on this whole period called Ministry of Greed, the inside story of the televangelists and their holy wars, which is a very entertaining read and I highly recommend it. Charles Shepard's book, Forgiven, The Rise and Fall of Jim Baker and the PTL Ministry, is based on his Pulitzer Prize-winning reporting on the whole saga, and it's definitely worth a spin. And our pal, Professor John Wigger, also wrote a book on the topic called PTL, The Rise and Fall of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker's Evangelical Empire, which you should also check out. Amen. Our time is gone. Take time to write us today. We do need you. Bad. We need each other. So please take time to write us today. Just Jim Baker, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28279. Remember, God loves you. He really does. Bye-bye for today. Guests of the Jim Baker program stay at the beautiful Heritage Grand Partner Center. To make your reservations, call... We'll leave you with our weekly biz whiz. Yes, that's business wisdom you didn't know you needed from our friends at the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota. Today, some dope advice from Professor Akshay Rao, who holds the General Mills Chair in Marketing. Don't assume that your consumer is like you. Uh, Your consumers are kinds of people who need instructions that say, do not use this hairdryer in the shower. Do not iron your clothes while wearing them. So you need to be able to develop empathy. You might think they're irrational, but they think they're perfectly rational. Hey friends, Lauren here. Did you know that Spectacular Failures has a newsletter? Get out. No, we do. Each week, we'll send out behind-the-scenes extras from episodes, weekly team recommendations for things we love, a sneak preview of upcoming episodes, and other fun stuff. You can sign up now at spectacularfailures.org newsletter.